This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. From the Schmoes No Network Studios in Los Angeles, California, it's time for Meet the Movie Press. And now, here's your host, the editor-in-chief of SchmoesNo.com, Mark Riley. And from the rap, Jeff Snyder. All right. Hello, Schmoville. Welcome to another edition of Meet the Movie Press. I am Mark Riley, editor-in-chief of SchmoesNo.com. And as all... We, the, Jeff. Jeff. Snyder. Yep. Hey, buddy. Are we taping this? We're up. We're up. And it's your call time. What's up? The Force Awakens. Oh! Woo! Morning, Schmoville. That's right. <laughs> Snyder Woo-hoo! with the Haymaker. It's a late night last night, gang. One of those Hollywood nights. That's right. I'm going to stop saying We'll never do that again. <laughs> yeah. No, I liked it. You have a melodic voice. It's I can beautiful. get up there. Yeah, you can. And, uh, of course, that, 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 was, that was our little nod to the big Star Wars news that broke. Dun, dun, dun. We will talk about that because we have a great show. We're going to talk a little bit about Star Wars, of course, but we are going to focus a little bit because it's getting to be that time of year folks award season's coming oh i'm so excited we're in the thick of it already it's already started it started snuck up on you yep the movies are out there the buzz is out there and we have a great guest coming in from one of the best websites out there vulture.com we have senior editor kyle buchanan joining us do we want to just get right to it and uh bring him in or should we just, like, wait and just make them sweat? Yeah, no, let's do it. Okay. Fine, so, everyone, I want you to give a big Schmoville welcome. You can find him on Twitter, at Kyle Buchanan. And uh, he is senior editor at Vulture.com. Kyle, welcome to Meet the Movie Press. Woo! Get those cans on, Kyle. Yeah, it's going wild right now. Yeah, we have... We have a whole applause section. <laughs> it's like the price is right. It's they wait in line. They have the, the little name tags, and they come in, and they give you applause, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Kyle, welcome to the show. Meet the Movie Press. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. it's so great to have you, because as I was saying, Vulture.com, God, one of the best websites out there. Um, you write for it. I follow you. I, I source you all the time on uh, on Schmoesno.com. So. How did you get started over there at Vulture? Oh gosh, I mean it's been a it's been a whole journey. I actually started in music journalism, funny really? enough. Uh yeah, I was uh reviewing CDs and interviewing bands for Flaunt magazine. That was my first magazine gig. Cool. I actually recommend that only in the sense that it made me a really great interviewer, I think, or well, yeah. it, <laughs> as as good as I can be at it, I think it, it was all home there. Cuz bands, bands are awesome people to interview. People, musicians, uh people in bands. Uh, more they loose. tend to, well, the, yeah, I mean, it tends to be a lot more loose than, yeah. the message you know. isn't as controlled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in my experience, a lot of the times when you're dealing with actors, there's things you're supposed to say, there's things you're not allowed to talk about, there's often a publicist that's around or in the room even when you're talking to them. 
It, it ain't like that with bands, you know? Yeah. Bands are a lot more usually hungover, <laughs> a lot more willing to sort of venture a candid opinion. And they, you know, they write their own shit. Like, yeah. they write their songs, and uh, and they definitely have a point of view. Actors, it's not always that way. Actors sure. sometimes, you know, right. they, well, they, they read handlers. lines. They're like, yeah, we show up every So they us. might have a lot of personality, you know, on screen, but they might not have very much to say off screen. Uh, so it was it was good training. Was yeah. it, like, almost famous at all? Because that's how I, I'm picturing it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's the heyday of magazine journalism where you could spend months with someone right. or even weeks or even a full day wow. um, <laughs> with somebody. Uh, and, you know, I still do interview musicians from time to time, but it's, it's not typically like that. But mm-hmm. uh, musicians are awesome. And so it just taught me that the more freewheeling uh, an interview can be, the more it just feels like a conversation, the better. I mean, I treat every interview I do like... I'm at a really cool house party. I'm in line for the bathroom. I just met somebody who's in line ahead of me, and we're just exchanging small talk. And then he told me he has this awesome job. And I'm, like, genuinely curious. We've had a few drinks, so let's talk about it. Yeah. You know, that's that. And then he has to pee. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and the the has to pee part actually comes into it if they're saying you've got 15 minutes. Right, you right, know? exactly. So you're like, okay, how much... How much can I get in into this conversation with uh, the knowledge that at some point uh, he's going to leave and go to the bathroom? Okay, so you started in music journalism at yeah. Flaunt, and then uh, how did you get into movie journalism? When did you sort of start writing about Hollywood? Uh, then I met this guy, Corey Sholobo, who'd gone to USC with me, and he knew that I'd majored in film and, and was also wow, on the school you paper. went to USC. I did. Fellow Trojan here, yeah, buddy. Fight on. Fight on. All right. Screw you guys. Um, <laughs> like what are you, and, UCLA over there? <laughs> NYU. Uh, oh, he'd, right. he'd read some of my stuff and said, you know, this is all great, but why are you not writing about movies since that's what you went to school for? Yeah. Um, and so he kicked me a few freelance reviews for The Advocate, and then I steadily built myself up to be the chief film critic there. Nice. And so I had that job for a while, and then there was sort of a writing on the wall moment where a lot of critics were getting fired, and job security was not right. great. The Advocate's um, uh, ad sales had kind of gone down. So I thought, okay, I've got to jump somewhere. Yeah. And I jumped to Defamer. Wow. <laughs> the late lamented, although occasionally revived in a Frankensteinian fashion, Defamer. Um, I love Defamer, and you did a great job over there. Well, so tell, I mean, tell, tell me what that was like working for Nick and... and I mean, I imagine it's crazy. Well, yeah, I, I wonder if uh, if everybody at home sort of knows what Defamer yeah, is. Yeah, lay it out for us. You know, it used to have this great reputation. Defamer, way back in the day when Mark Lasanti was the editor, was this very sort of inside Hollywood but bemused kind of accessible tone about what was going on. It was Gawker when Gawker was really just more about New York media. Uh, Defamer was intended to be like the West Coast version. So right they on. would talk about Hollywood, but they'd also talk about, you know... Um, parking spaces at CAA and like sort of make those things funny and accessible. And I think that as that site grew and as Perez Hilton sort of concurrently grew, yeah. Nick Denton, who was running Defamer, uh, who always has, it's his title Gawker Me- at Gawker Media, he thought, okay, let's get in on this Perez Hilton action and make it sort of, you know, more about like bitchy shit about celebrities. Yeah. Right. It got a little bit meaner. It got a lot meaner, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> the, the tone, you know, when you hear the, the title defamer, you might think, okay, this is going to be like a really mean, snarky site. And it kind of wasn't under Mark. Mark is really smart, very funny, and has this very sort of dry I think he's great. And I, I read his best. stuff all the time over at Grantland. Yeah. I aspire to write like Mark. Um, I always think, how would Mark write this? Mm-hmm. Um, Nice. But anyway, uh, so it was, it was like sort of like a mean, sour moment for Defamer. 
And, uh, honestly, I think the site was sort of on its way out or recalibrating when they brought me on. Kind of grew into its name, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it, it had. And then I think when I came on, they were sort of trying to get back to their roots. Uh, Seth Abramovich, Stu Van Arsdale, um, uh, Molly McAleer, Julie Miller. Crew. It, it really was. There were a lot of great people working there at the time, um, who've gone on to great things. Um, and then there's me. <laughs> and, um, uh, so I, I, I think I worked there for about eight months, maybe, yeah, thereabouts. And then they shuttered it, you wow. know, uh, because at the time, uh, in Gawker Media, io9 had launched and that was proving very, right. that was proving a lot more successful. And frankly, I think Nick, uh, Nick was more of a like, I'll watch Battlestar Galactica guy and I won't see any movies kind right. of guy. <laughs> so it was just, it, it, his passion was there mm-hmm. and, Defamer, you know, the brand was a little bit dented, I think. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, and so they shuttered it and all of us really hopped over to Movie Line, which right. was being revived. All right. Um, uh, which was a great time. You know, Movie Line, again, is, is dormant now. Uh, there were about three or four years, again, an all-star team, including people like Mike Ryan were on that staff. Was Jen um, there too at the time? Jen Yamato, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot oh. of terrific people who are writing all over the pr- the place. Uh, probably some that you've even had on the show. Um, Elvis Mitchell, um, Stephanie Zacharick. They were our film critics. I mean, come Jeez. on. Um, so it no, it no longer really exists because that was owned by Penske, you know, talking about tycoons who all own all these media brands. Yeah, right. Um, and if it's getting too dry, let me know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, he bought Nikki Fink and Deadline. And when that happened, it was like... Stu saw the writing on the wall in that case and said, okay, if you're running a, a competing movie site, how's this even going to work? Right, you kind of became the redheaded stepchild in yeah, a sense. Yeah, well, you know, as Nikki probably felt when Penske uh, acquired Variety, like, what's the point of, you know, owning two things that are sort of competing for the same space and eyeballs and, and attention? Um, so we sort of started, yeah, it just, it it was hard to catch fire when you had this, like, flaming hot sibling you know and uh but i think we did a lot of great work there there were so many good writers and we kind of i mean i don't want to take too too much credit for this but i think we sort of established the format that vulture has has taken and run with the notion that you can have like a unique interview every day or more than one that was something us coming from magazines we knew all those publicists could get them at the time and and this is still true of so many sites most sites were just basic news aggregation yeah. and you we were like no the real attention is in writing long features mm-hmm. having reviews and having interviews and exclusive content yeah <laughs> and that's you know it's something that honestly i think everybody has 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 either simultaneously realized or you know respected what we were doing if even if it wasn't uh you know this gigantic brand uh that 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 sustained itself mm-hmm. and then off of that got hired at vulture and there i've go. been there now for a, over four years wow nice yeah. impressive yeah well there you go. like i update said update my I, wikipedia there you go <laughs> yeah like i said i i go to vulture all the time i love it i've, I've been following your tweets and everything and Thanks. uh kyle i want to bring this around because yeah. you know we had something big that dropped in the Star Wars world yesterday. Yes. And it's going to wrap it around to this uh, hopeful news break that we do here. Oh, yes. Kyle, every week we drop a uh, hopeful news break on the Meet the Movie Press fan page on the Schmoes No Network on Facebook. And uh, a lot of people were happy about they were wanting the four, uh, I'm sorry, the Star Wars title. Okay. So as you all know, it's The Force Awakens. 
which we can talk about in a little bit. But uh, Josh Lott, one of our big commenters over there on uh, Facebook, he wants to know when we can see the Star Wars teaser, which we're kind of hearing rumblings about. So I want to throw it out to you guys first. What do you think of this Star Wars title? And uh, do you think we're going to get a trailer anytime soon? This year, maybe? In the next month or so? I thought the title was fine, which was actually the surprising part because I still distinctly remember when Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, both those titles broke. Me too. The the thing I remember the most is I had the same roommate for both of them, this guy Andrew, and I remember the sour lemon face he made when I told him (laughs) both of those titles. Uh, The first one, Phantom Menace, was this can't be real, it can't be this dorky of a title. Then when I told him Attack of the Clones, it was one of those oh no, we're really in for it if it's going to continue in yeah, this Yeah, we fashion. were going down. By that time, it was like, Attack of the Clones. Why not the Clone Wars? And Just- so, exactly, yeah. So so for this one to be called The Force Awakens, it's like a, it's sort of a mild title in comparison. So yeah. your mileage may vary. Like, maybe you realize now in retrospect that you miss, like, the batshit buggery of, like, the George Lucas titles where it was <laughs> totally out of step with what his audience wanted. Or maybe you're like, you know what, that's fine. I want it to just be, like, a, a normal title where, you know, my other friends won't make fun of me when I talk about it. <laughs> yeah, well, right. I was mentioning it to Mark earlier. Did you see that um, apparently two years ago someone called the title really? online? Yeah. Someone in, in some sort of fan forum or whatever. This blew my and, mind. And, we, and, you know, Mark raised the question, is this a George Lucas title? Yeah. Well, that that doesn't blow my mind because the the title is so sort of normal that you could kind of guess it. Honestly, that was my first reaction when I saw the still mm-hmm. um, that, that has the logo and the title treatment. I was like, this is easily something a fan could make up and sort of intuit. Whereas the George Lucas titles were so so out of the realm right. of what people would expect. I know. I did the same kind of take on The Phantom Menace. I was driving and it was like such big news. It was like on the radio. It was, it was like Rick Dees or something talking about it. I'm like, what that? And why was I listening to Kiss FM back then? Um, but I, I kind of went, huh? What? What? Why? This one I'm okay with. Like right away I was like, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with this. I, I think we're all wondering. I actually really like it. Um, I, I, it, it makes sense uh, for the for the for the new trilogy to kind of re relaunch. Well, it. you need a begins or a rises or something in well, there. Well, that's so. what we talked about last night. We're like, thank God it's not like rises or begins. It's akin or to that though. Awakens. Yeah. Awakens. Yeah, it's, it's not a, that dissimilar. Yeah. So I mean, I'm happy with it, but uh, I, I like. We were kind of talking a little bit about the whole Star Wars. Um, stuff going on out there and how how many leaks are out there and and you were bringing up some great points Kyle I want to kind of touch on that a little bit before we get to award season talk yeah it's craziness I mean JJ Abrams is very famous for sort of his mystery box spoiler policy he keeps everything incredibly under wraps I mean you look back at uh, things like Super 8 uh, you look back at what he attempted to do with Star Trek Into Darkness, oh, which yeah. I think was folly, ultimately. Oh, that was... This notion sorry, that, that you could... That was bullshit. Just, this, just tell us it's con and everybody can move on. Well, also, I mean, people looking back on that movie, you know, as it ages, everyone will know it's con from the beginning. Because yeah. you'll revisit it and you'll say, this is the one where Benedict Cumberbatch played con. Yeah. So the notion that you're going to be watching it for an hour while this movie's trying desperately to fool you, and it's not going to have an afterlife that goes along <laughs> right. with that narrative, is ridiculous to me. My favorite story about that mystery box stuff with Into Darkness was I went I covered CinemaCon and they showed a clip of Khan and uh, Chris Pine shooting through space they even they changed the name right they changed the name yeah so that all of us in there would like and I even reported and I went oh he's he's what a Harrison 
You know, that's yeah. what he's being called in the movie. Mm-hmm. And and then going back to see it in the theaters, it was Khan. And that that's the link. That was a month before release. Now, listen, I, I totally respect the notion that you don't want everything spoiled. Keep secrets. It's fun. Sure. It's so fun, especially with guys like us who are so plugged in, mm-hmm. to be surprised by a movie. I'm into that notion. Um, but I think that in the case of Star Wars, uh, he had kept things secret for a while. There were casting rumors, but the day that they... You know, released that first table read photo. There were all these people who I don't know. Jeff might know because he's so plugged into deal making. Yeah. But I didn't know that that like you know Donald Gleason was in negotiations. Oh, dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even I don't think even Oscar Isaac I knew was in negotiations. Yeah. So that was a surprise. And then things went dark for a while. Yep. And then leaks, 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 yep. leaks, leaks. Steady stream. Steady stream of leaks. Concept art. Descriptions of the ending, descriptions of the big twist. It's yeah, it, startling. That, that big twist one just blew my mind. And again, I will not ever say it out to any of my friends or right. to schmoesno.com because that just spoils the entire movie. God, I hope it's not true. So what I had heard on this one yeah. and why suddenly the mystery, bro- mystery box uh, had so many holes in it is that if you'll recall, uh, production had to shut down when Harrison Ford injured himself. Yes. And there were a lot of independent cr- contractors I heard who were out of work for that time and then maybe did not get picked up oh. and had all this stuff lying around interesting. and just started doling it out. Hmm. Maybe it, it, a sort of a punitive thing. It wow. might not have even been all that many people. It could just be, you know, one or two. Yeah, but there was a lot to go around, you know, between concept art and spoiling the twist. That's really interesting. I didn't think about that right. break affecting things. Yeah, that's what I had heard. Because yeah. also a lot of the concept art and whatnot was leaking on... Uh, you know, uh, sort of random low profile sites. Yeah. And I just. No, no. Yeah, it was Indie Revolver. Revolver, um, Which had the watermarks, and I'm like, who who are these guys, and and why are we getting, you know, Stormtrooper helmets? And then there was more. Then there was that Android looking guy. And then. There's so much. The the Making Star Wars dot com, is that that what it is? That, That was just dropping some major spoilers. I, I meant I James Gunn even went out on on Twitter and went you should be ashamed of yourself yeah and I'm like it, and and I look at making Star Wars and I'm like that's a fan site why are they ruining the movie well listen it's it's the business Hits. we're in these right. days I think that's unfortunate I wouldn't want to ruin an ending um no. I, I the same sort of thing happened with Avengers Age of Ultron um a lot of bloggers a lot of writers had sort of, you know, known things about yeah, everyone that has movie, the script. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone it's has crazy. the script. And they were alluding to things, but then as soon as Drew McWeeny actually wrote about a, sort of a major yeah. spoiler from the ending and the fate and how it might affect other movies, yeah. then it was kind of open season. Now we know so much about the yeah, ending. Yeah, I feel like I've already I, seen we it. Do, we do yeah. if you actually want to dive into it. So, you know, respect to everybody who's stayed away from that. It's hard for me to do in my job because things, you know, just by osmosis, they leak all over the place and, yeah. and you learn them. Yeah, and I, I, you know, since we're kind of Schmoes No is kind of independently run by me and Christian Harloff and we talk about these things, we decided as a, as a service to our fans that we're not going to cover this. No, you that's know? Um, Did we take a hit on advertising and hits? Yeah. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm such a huge fan. I don't, I don't want to know. And, and, but 
I understand the landscape and the business behind it. But, well, so. you, you know, we were comparing it before we started to the first Avengers, which actually they ran a pretty tight ship on. They did. You know, there yeah. were a lot of elements that had not leaked even before the first media screening. Yeah. We didn't know quite who the aliens were. Mm-hmm. Um, we still don't know, by the way. <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't know I about know. the tag to the movie. We didn't even know that Gwyneth Paltrow did a, you know, a sort of an extended cameo in yeah. it until a Japanese trailer leaked her involvement. It was pretty amazing what they'd managed to keep secret there. And uh, and now that really the only way for Marvel to keep those secrets is to get far out in front as right. they did at their, you know, recent presentation where they, you know, started announcing things that that I still must admit had been widely rumored for a long time. Yeah, sure. But yeah. that that felt surprising and shocking. So. I, I love that that they have to sell Avengers with Gwyneth Paltrow in Japan. Yeah. Like we got we got to get know. Gwyneth. No, nobody cares about the Hulk or Thor. It's it's <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Sliding doors just killed out there. <laughs> Should we segue to a couple of other news things before we jump into award yeah, season, which will be the second half of the show? I definitely want to Kind of talk about Jeff. Something I I loved that you did yesterday was you had called Toy Story four. Oh, you know yeah. you had said told you, which I love. <laughs> right. um, but but you had some good research behind it. You're like, well, Tim Allen is kind of roped in. For I wrote this. that story four years ago. It was one of the earliest stories I ever wrote at the ramp. And yeah. yeah, I had it on on very good authority that there was you know it was in his contract, Toy Story four. Like that was those were the words. Yeah, and that's and that's a, a, one of the other big news breaks that happened yesterday. All Disney, and that's in you know Toy Story four, and a lot of the fans out there went, why we don't need this? I'm with them, honestly. I it was they wrapped it up fine. Uh, I, I thought it was a beautiful ending yeah. to a beautiful I can't trilogy. Can't believe they're going back to that well. And I, they I, are going back to the well and I get it and I can't believe Rashida Jones is going to be writing I can't believe it. That. That's yeah, I mean that's it's pretty it's very cool. Idea. I think um, it's so cool. I think I think the thing we're neglecting to realize is that those characters never went away from no. the Pixar brain trust. They kept putting them in shorts. Right. Yeah. They made TV specials. You know, we probably didn't see those, us three guys in the room. So. I saw uh, Toy Story of Terror. Well, I, I did say, uh, see well, that. And <laughs> I was wondering the whole time, is, is this the original voice cast? Because I know that the, there is a Woody oh, there slight, voice mm-hmm. that is voiced by Tom Hanks' brother. Oh, and, huh. I had oh, no in, idea. In the, in the offshoots, you know what I mean? Like the huh. toys and whatnot. So I was wondering if it's the same voice, and then I see that the whole cast is back and i remember toy story of terror i'm like they're gonna do another one there are so many of these coming out and then and i'll go see it i mean we love those characters it's just i was just surprised yeah so while we might think that that's you know the trilogy ended perfectly those those characters have never uh had sort of a clean end for pixar and it's you know natural for them to start thinking that way and and their sort of stated business goal going forward is to alternate between originals and sequels. And there's no bigger brand, honestly. I thought it was interesting what Mark Harris said on Twitter yesterday, where it's just like, this is not, this was not why people fell in love with Pixar and, and the brand stuff and the sequels. It's just, yeah, I, I was you know, a little when, disappointed when I saw that announcement. When John Lasseter took over uh, Disney Animation, it was at a time where they were doing, you know, Lion King 4 and 1 fourth. You yeah. know, they were putting yeah, right. out all these cash-in sequels that were sort of diminishing the brand. Yeah. I'll give Pixar this. I don't think their sequels are diminishing the brand. They're massive. They're important. Toy Story 3 was nominated sure, for Best Car- Picture. Cars 2 is but like I a think, nader. 
Well, yeah, know? but like Cars One is is not for us. Sure, you sure. know. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm sure the inevitable Cars Three won't be either. Yeah. Um, oh God, I don't like that series. But that's another point. If anybody's going to make sequels like the Incredibles Two, which Pixar's also working on, mm-hmm. like it might as well be them. I agree. I would like to see more originals, and uh, they do have some promising looking yeah, originals. Yeah, I, I can't out, wait for, but... for Inside Out and the Good Dinosaur. Right. Um, but yeah, it, we got Toy Story Four now. We got Finding Dory. We got Incredibles Two. What else are we going to get? I, I just, Inc. I just hope they let Wally alone. I think Thank that's such you. a perfect movie on that its own. I really don't want to see that world revisited. That's my favorite Pixar film. Just let it be. Yeah, but, but you know, I, I we don't think that's like you, that's your favorite Pixar. It film? It really Interesting. is. I, I don't. Th- I don't know if we think like you know, young moviegoers who are used to shared cinematic universes, who are used to going to the movies and expecting a serial. TV like experience, yeah. you know, yeah. it's it's just different now, and and shareholders expect that too. That's the best way to make money. Yeah, well, Toy Story four, it is obvious. Uh, Ken Napsok, who does our news on the main show, is so funny. He's like Pixar making more money. You know, it's like <laughs> they're they're into printing money, and that is the business model, or not maybe not the business model, but that is what they're doing with this. However, for me, I said, do we need another Toy Story? No. Will I see it? Hell yes. Like I love. They, they do them well. Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 are all brilliant movies. Well done movies. My opinion, of course. You know, I also, I wouldn't ascribe, like, so craven uh, a motivation to Pixar as I'm about to suggest, because I don't think John Lasseter would do Toy Story 4 and direct it if he didn't really care about it. But it I should agree. be noted that Pixar hasn't had a movie out in a year because they delayed The Good Dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And I think they're still trying to recoup some of the money that was spent on Brave, which was obviously a success, but cost a lot and was in development for a long time. So it's important to them to tell shareholders that they have a massive massive movie coming out after these two originals i mean not that not that finding dory won't be massive as well but it's just you know we have two originals and two massive sequels i I think that sort of sets their investors at at ease so i do want to talk about fast baron steve jobs and the tarantino stuff but let's save that maybe for the last five minutes we need to get to award season let's get to award season because i'm excited about this and you brought up we were going back and forth on email and on some of the ridiculous i'm going to start first with some of the ridiculous like best picture rumor nominees you brought up something interesting jeff if you i mean i you know there was a story there was a story recently about captain america yes. uh being an oscar contender let me tell you right now that's not gonna happen no it's not gonna happen. right am i right kyle i was i was surprised yeah so deadline um pete hammond their awards guru had written a long thing interviewing the russo brothers about whether captain america be an awards contender I think out of the two Marvel movies that came out this past year, first of all, not that either of them really has a shot, but Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, is, much better chance. Much is better. a much better movie. Much better movie. Uh, you know, it's the franchise starter instead of a right. sequel, mm-hmm. and people really embrace that. I had actually contacted Disney a whole lot uh, over this past month saying, listen, do you guys have any sort of Oscar plans? And they didn't. I, even when The Avengers came out and was gigantic... Those publicists were like, really, Oscar, when I would ask about it? You know, so to see the Captain America thing, I was surprised. It's a very good movie. Uh, it's a great movie, but, but I um, don't think... I mean, if The Dark Knight wasn't nominated, which I felt was a better movie, um, yeah. th- like, cinematically. Well, listen, here's the case you could make, and I'd rather make this case for Guardians than Captain America, though I like both movies. Um, you know, uh, Dark Knight was when there weren't ten nominees, ten possible right, right, nominees. Right. Also, um, so... You could have 10 nominees this year, and so many would-be Best Picture contenders have faltered 
that there's room for a big populist hit. Um, I don't think it would be Captain America. Again, I think it would be Guardians of the Galaxy because everyone has such warm feelings about it. It really felt fresh yeah. in a in a way that's unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, yeah, such a barnstorming hit. Could it be like when Star Wars was nominated in 77? Yeah, exactly. You know, or, like you know. Guardians is kind of in that vein, but. Avatar District 9, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think of Avatar as, and that movie is far and away, like, worse than Captain America, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Guy. I did not like Avatar. And for it to be. But did you like Captain America? I loved Captain America. Yeah, I loved it. Um, but I just don't think that's a reach. So Avatar almost won Best Picture. Yeah. It's the biggest movie of all time. I know. Uh, my head's still spinning by suggesting a Marvel movie is going to be in the Best Picture. No, it's not. Well, I I don't think it will happen. It's not going to happen. But I think. I would I would be excited. You know, we've talked about yeah, populist movies that have uh you know some some sort of claim on uh, a potential best picture slot. Let's not forget that when the field was expanded to ten, yeah, one of the potential nominees, you know, hovering around that tenth slot was Star Trek. There was a massive push for that. That's I believe true. it was even nominated mm-hmm. for oh, for I the PGA. Yeah, um, Star Trek. I, I believe Star Trek and the Town, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, yeah. were the two that were hovering around that last slot that I think we're all thinking probably went to Winter's Bone that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Star oh, Trek, yeah. Star Trek almost got nominated for Best Picture. So <laughs> if that could get nominated, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I You're think right, is a fair better enough. movie, yeah, deserves to I don't know at least be thought about. I, and I think that the Guardians could get other nominations like a PGA. I think it could end up on. Some uh, year-end best. I'd rather see Apes get a Best Picture nomination if we're doing a big blockbuster. Absolutely, I think that deserves it more than Captain America or Guardians. But you know, I I, I think I think Apes was really strong, and weirdly enough, hasn't quite had the sort of like talked about afterlife that the first one did. You're right. You're absolutely right. It kind of it it did satiate the fans. I think they loved it, and I think they can't wait for part three. And and but. It, I think it they didn't can stick wait. around. Yeah, it didn't stick around in the in the in the pop culture conversation. Yeah. It stuck around with, you know, uh Andy Circus, but that's about it. And I would like to see that more too. But let's I mean let's let's, yeah, let's talk about the, the real one. Okay, okay. So yeah. so what do you think? I mean, right now, and I know it's early and I don't want to, you know, hold you to this. What do you think wins? I think it's between two movies. Uh two movies that are sort of the front runners by default. Okay. Which is not to say that either of them are bad because they're not. Uh it would be Boyhood, uh, you know, Richard Linklater's uh, coming-of-age story told over 12 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and The Imitation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch playing the World War II codebreaker Alan Turing. Both of those movies have been sort of widely seen around Hollywood. Boyhood obviously came out earlier this year. Yeah. Imitation Game hasn't, but it's screened pretty extensively and has been at a lot of film festivals. Um, and there's still some movies yet to see, but there's... So little of what's coming out that I think could actually win Best Picture. I think it might just be down to Unbroken, which, to be fair, could easily win Best Picture. It's got the makings of it on paper. Mm-hmm. And maybe even Selma, um, the Martin Luther King biopic, just because it has the, yeah. you know, the 
general sense of what Oscar goes for. But sure. I don't think it's going to be Into the Woods. And, uh, oh, God, uh, no. I hope and not. I, and honestly, there's just not that much left. What about Birdman? I, I think it is between Selma and Broken. I haven't seen either one, so I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. No, but it's interesting because um, you hear. I mean, we're all hearing yes. the buzz. Yeah. And, you know, somebody just says, like, oh, that's Oscar. I, I know, you know, the Lou Zamperini story is best picture worthy. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know? And the, um, the talent that made that movie, right? Right, exactly. Shooting at the Coen Brothers. Right. Exactly. The crew that they surrounded Angelina with. Um, yeah. I was very impressed with Jackson. Well, wait, 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 wait. You said that in a kind of condescending way. I'm going to push back. The oh. crew that they surrounded Angelina with. Oh, okay. That makes it sound like they're sort of propping her up. Angelina is, I mean, probably the, the fiercest one of all. I saw her first film in The Land of Blood and Honey, which had an okay script that she wrote and was very well directed, okay. especially the sort of rare action breaks in that, which were extremely muscular. Yeah. She doesn't need to get propped up. I hear this a lot. I'm so pushing back. No, probably I like it. This is, is good. I'm pushing back on something that this you didn't probably even intend, but there, I always hear this notion, especially with like first or second time female directors of, oh, but she didn't really direct that. It was her DP. Right. Oh, it wasn't really her. It was the producer. A lot. A lot. There's just this weird pernicious thing. I hear it all the time. Heard about Sofia Coppola when Virgin Suicides came out. Everyone mm-hmm. said Spike Jones directed that. When Miranda July did Me, You, and Everyone We Know, Miguel Arteta. Don't tell me these things. I love Me, You, and Everyone We Know. Well, no, no. (laughs) No, what I'm saying is... I know, you're defending. They directed them. I mean, you look back at Virgin Suicides, it was obviously her. It wasn't Spike Jones. but this happens all the time. I heard about Kimberly Pierce with Boys Don't Cry. Everyone said, oh, it was the DP. They always do that to women in a way that never do to first time that's super interesting directors. i certainly was not suggesting that no Angelina no no Dur- i know i just not, uh, direct you triggered you triggered a rant however i do know that steven spielberg directed poltergeist and not toby Hooper. <laughs> well sure no absolutely no but the the you said they surrounded angelina jolie with this crew and i think it's more like well, when angelina jolie calls the coen brothers they're like we'll take this gig for hire sure you know it's much more like that because it's angelina jolie yeah, a goddess on earth. You um, know? Well, I, th- I do think it is between Unbroken and Selma, and I think if there is a spoiler, it's going to be Sniper. It's going to be American really? Sniper. We'll see. Which I've heard really good things about Clint Eastwood, um, right? I yeah. mean, he's you know he's kind of Oscar gold. I mean, well, aside from his has been uh, has been Oscar boys, gold, right? Has been Oscar gold um, with Boyhood and uh, an Imitation Game. Let me address those. So Boyhood, yeah, that has been obviously a very popular sentiment uh, that it could win Best Picture and everything. I really liked Boyhood. I thought it was very good. I did not think it was great. I did not think it was a masterpiece. I think it is. It's. It, it, it hate. I hate to call it a gimmick movie, but that is why we're talking about it because yeah, it was I, filmed over twelve years, so not because think, of that story. Yeah. Do you think that the the Academy looks at that because of the the. It is a gimmicky kind of move. I like it and appreciate it from a film filmmaking standpoint. I think Linklater went out to tell that story, not as a gimmick. But I think the Academy looks at that and... Do you kind of think that the Academy is into some gimmick sometimes? And they go, oh, we're oh gonna- I, I think it'll be nominated and, and I think... I think it has a chance to win, unlike some other movies. But at the same time, I don't think that it will. Okay. I... I, I Hollywood, I mean, I guess the artist one, but it, it doesn't necessarily go for movies made outside the system that often. I don't, True. I don't feel like this is a movie made outside the system. I mean, it's Richard Linkletter who's worked with so many of the actors in Hollywood who they love. Yeah, yeah but he was just doing his own thing with IFC writing a check every year. I mean, that's okay. This was not... I mean, that's fine. That's not going to bother people that it comes from IFC. 
I don't yeah. think. I, I think IFC is going to be hard pressed to run uh, as big a campaign as as its competitors. Well, they're as not well. the ones who are literally running the campaign. They, you know, hired other people to do that, and That's it's going true. really well. And they had the summer all to themselves, and yeah. honestly, most of the fall because until Gone Girl, there wasn't another movie that people started talking about. Uh, so you know? do you? Okay, let's go right there. Do you think Gone Girl is going to get an on? I actually do now. Yeah, I didn't I think do. that. At I first. absolutely think right. so. When I first saw it, I thought this is probably a little too chill chilly for the academy yeah uh, but, and, and not their usual thing but again so many other would be right they're coming up short. uh that was a we were talking earlier about you know a populist hit getting the oscar conversation i think it's gonna be gone girl it made so much money which is a hard thing for right. the academy to deny yeah not that that's the thing that sways them but it's the thing that convinces them oh there was heft here yeah, and, and especially for a movie like that. The think pieces have still not stopped. Right. It has remained in the conversation. Yep. People want to talk about it. Yep. They they want to see it. They want to talk about it. And it just has so much more of that than than almost any other movie. I think I think it'll get I completely it. agree. And and there's a lot of goodwill in the industry obviously for Ben Affleck. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And and you know, as this was approaching, that was one of the things. It's so funny with schmozno.com how I can drop Marvel, Star Wars and they go they go batshit crazy mm-hmm. and then i can drop an image of gone girl and they go even more batshit crazy mm-hmm. it's fincher is he he is just somebody that everybody loves and they want and they root for him and they what's going on back there i hear you why <laughs> the clock's not working either i don't know how far we are into oh the show God, or how, how much time we? is left yeah that's but. right we, we okay so let's let's get so back I, on track I, I, imitation game though yes. okay i felt like that is the inferior of the two british genius biopics or whatever um like clearly i saw it in toronto including the theory of what? everything um right along with the stephen hawking movie I kind of thought it was phony. I thought it was mm-hmm. an imitation of an Oscar contender. I Ooh. saw right through it. Okay. Uh, and I can't believe that someone like Benedict Cumberbatch is getting Oscar buzz over someone like J- Jake Gyllenhaal. See, there are movies like that that I that I think are like Academy bait. Are you calling this Academy bait? It is. Like, I it thought is Crash bait. was Academy bait, and I hated Crash. Yeah, I love Crash, and I'll I'll, I'll defend it to the death. Oh, boy. I, I think Crash only looks like Academy bait in retrospect. Yeah. A March ensemble movie about race that was really shot outside the system that costs that little is not yeah. what usually wins best picture yeah um in, in the case of the imitation game i agree that i sort of thought the theory of everything which is out this week yeah uh is a little bit more emotional and able to engage the audience so mm-hmm. i think it could be a sleeper i think i think the real sleeper threat though there is that eddie redmayne could win best could win yeah i over benedict cumberbatch uh, all the men who were nominated or thought to be <laughs> let me not right. get ahead of myself <laughs> all the men who are sort of thought to be locked to get nominated we've got michael keaton we've yep. got steve carell we yep. have um uh why am i forgetting like eight thousand people miles teller no 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 not for best actor i mean i i would love you think that. oscars in the conversation last night uh, last night? For a most violent year, yeah. I think Jessica Chastain for supporting actress. But wait, okay. uh, so for best actor, there just are, are a whole lot of people like Benedict Cumberbatch in Imitation Game. There's a lot of sort of chilly presences. Mm-hmm. Um, not that the actors are; they're wonderful, but the uh, the characters are hard to warm up to. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Redmayne in uh, playing Stephen Hawking in Theory of Everything, it's an immensely sympathetic performance. He's a wonderful person. I think that it kind of stands out by contrast in that category and could build uh, momentum. Interesting. As as great as I thought that he was, it really, the movie belonged to Felicity Jones, I thought. And she, mm-hmm. I thought she was wonderful. 
She's great, and I'm glad that she will almost certainly get nominated for Best Actress. All right, guys. So. Well, what about Interstellar? Is that in the conversation? Ooh, here we go. Yep. I I was harsh on its Oscar chances after seeing it. Yeah, I, a lot of people are. You know, like I keep saying, uh, there are a lot of would-be Oscar contenders that, that couldn't go the distance that we keep seeing. And so after a lot of those had faded from view, before we'd seen Interstellar, you know, we were all thinking, well, this could easily just sort of clear the decks. Yes. And then it came out and or it started screening for press. And I just think it's not going to be an easy sell to the Academy. Uh, it's a little too user unfriendly for them, mm-hmm. you know, and the reviews are too mixed. There seems to be a backlash to Chris Nolan in the air. That's mm-hmm. real. Um, I think if he couldn't score a best director nod for Inception, which is to my mind, a better movie oh, and yeah. also, you know, one that the Academy did nominate for best picture. I don't think he'll get a best director nod for Interstellar, which isn't as good and is on the best picture bubble. Okay. Can we talk about that backlash real quick? Yeah, I'd like, like to talk I know about you it. you tweeted some stuff last night where it sounds like you've been hearing some things. Uh, well, you know, so the the backlash seemed to crystallize uh, uh, this week when the New York Times wrote an article about how Chris Nolan was interfering with Jessica Chastain's Oscar campaign for yes. a most violent year, much smaller movie. But he had booked her in her contract and said, you can't do any award season campaigning for any movie but Interstellar, which but she's, that was, has a smaller role That was role through, in. through early December, right? Yeah, through early December, essentially until uh, A Most Violent Year comes out, which is at the very end of the year. But that said, like, you know, it's going to be screening. It just screened last night at AFI Fest. It'll keep screening for Golden Globes and do Q&As for SAG and all that. And they wanted her there. And she does delivers a great performance in a most violent year so the particulars of that contract coming out um they make nolan look bad um it's a black eye and yeah honestly i've been hearing rumors uh that i should note rival publicists eagerly trade in uh of 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 sort of unusual contract demands um wow. so, so, so it really is like uh you know the, the oscar whisper sort of game yeah but the interesting thing here is that i i noticed a lot of people thought oh this must be the most violent year team that's pushing this rumor mm. and it's not as far right. as i can tell uh i think there are other vested parties or uh, uh Parties that don't have the vested interest of we're one of the two. You, we're not Interstellar. We're not Most Violent Year. It's Harvey, isn't it? Just give it up. I know. No, right? it's not. Harvey. It's always Harvey. It's not Harvey. <laughs> although I'm sure Harvey's coming back. cool with it. Um, but yeah, those rumors have been going around, and I should note, like I did on Twitter, like you know the the rumors of what Nolan was asking for, which is sort of a wide berth from both the studio in their schedule. He didn't want all these movies in the way of Interstellar, which, you know, you can understand to some degree. Sure. He didn't want his actor's attention split. Like, that's mm-hmm. a that's a demand that makes sense on the face of it. Um, but it feels like an overreach and can be treated as such by Hollywood because so few directors are in the position to even make those demands and get them. So it can seem like, uh, how dare this dude micromanage and an overreach to this degree and that's how it's being spun by rival publicists interesting wow. well at least you are veteran enough to recognize it as spin oh i think it's uh, obviously spin i yeah. mean I, I literally have gotten calls from oscar publicists this month being like don't know if you can do anything with this but have you heard this about chris nolan and i yeah. think oh, they eventually man. called brooks barnes at the new york times i was really surprised it was in the new york times i was that... not surprised <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. I, I want to know then your guys, because we got to wrap it up pretty soon, but let's go 
for the two of you, because you've actually seen more movies than I have this week. I've just been a little behind on things. But your picks for, for best picture as of now. Like, if you could pick your... What was maybe, my favorite? Well, what you... I'm going to get maybe your favorites and your picks, but also what you think the Academy will nominate. Well, I, yeah, again, pregnant pause. It's, again, it's a big I question. Think, it's a loaded question. I think the front runners to be nominated, at the very least, yeah. are like we said, Boyhood and Imitation Game. I think the Theory of Everything will get nominated. Yeah. Yep. Birdman will. Yep. It's a little too weird for the Academy to actually give sure. uh, Best Picture two. Um, and then after that, it gets interesting. Then you're like, well, will Foxcatcher take hold? I think it will and get in. Whiplash. Whiplash has really come on strong. Yeah, it has. The box office could be better. That's yeah. a, that concerns me. Everyone who's seen Whiplash loves it. Classics it's great. is leaving something on the table with that. I think that they have too many movies out or something. I don't know. I mean, uh, J.K. Simmons, I think, will win Best Supporting Actor because it's I, such a great I think performance. So I think so, too. But, but the fact that people aren't seeing it the way, or people aren't running out to see it, makes me wonder if voters will be like as eager to pop that disc in. You yeah. know, that's the only thing that gives me a little pause with Whiplash. But it's so good, and it's really defied a lot of odds. It, it's won, um, you know, Best Picture laurels from a lot of film festivals. Yep. So I think that could be a sleeper Best Picture nominee. And I think Damien Chazelle, uh, the young, I think he's 29-year-old director who made that, could be a sleeper Best best Director nominee. Interesting. Sure. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've had Ben Zeitlin, you've had Spike Jones who are around that age yeah. and were treated as the same sort of wonderkind, and I, mm-hmm. it could be him. That's great. Um so yeah, whip, I would be thrilled if Whiplash got in, and I, I think Unbroken and Sniper and Selma will get in. So that's like yeah. eight or nine right there, yeah. and, then, and there's never ten. There's no, never ten. No, it no. seems that it's always going to be nine. Yeah, yeah. to the extent that I just feel like I wish they go back to ten. It's a round number. It's right. ridiculous yeah. that we're just going to have all these nine-year nominees. What uh, about it, uh, something? Or nine nominee years? Right. Nightcrawler. Is that more of Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh, I wish. I wish. Yeah. That's a nothing as far as the Academy is concerned because okay. it's too genre. It's too much like Drive, another movie that was sort of touted as maybe the Academy would go yeah. for this, and they wouldn't even nominate Albert Brooks, which was an easy one. Yeah. I think Gyllenhaal's amazing in it. But I, I think well, Russo gets in. I, 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 I would love in. that. Listen, this is a year where the Best Supporting Actress category is pretty thin, to mm-hmm. my mind. So the fact that we aren't talking more about Rene Russo in that movie or Tilda Swinton in Snowpiercer. Absolutely. It's like, let's liven that sleepy category up. But the problem is that those movies are too genre for the Academy and they're just not going to treat those like Oscar-caliber films for the most part. You're probably right I just hate that argument. That no, I hate that too. But yeah, you're you know, probably right. Of, of, of recent vintage, the Academy in their performances have been nominating almost exclusively from the movies that get nominated for Best Picture. Right. Yeah. And so if, you know, Snowpiercer and, uh, and Nightcrawler don't have a shot at Best Picture and they don't, sadly, although they're two of my favorite movies of the year, it makes it harder for Renee Russo and Tilda Swinton to get seen for their performances and harder to be taken seriously and viewed in an Oscar context. Yeah. I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens with Sienna Miller in American Sniper. Well, actually. She, she has a big presence in that trailer. Yeah. She has got more screen time in that trailer than she has in the entirety Fox of Foxcatcher. Fox Catcher. Right. <laughs> um, are there any like below the line noms that you'd love to see? Like, I, I mean, I don't think that it'll happen, but Bradford Young cinematography with uh, most violent year last happen. night was beautiful. I mean, it depends was on it? how many people it a great see it. Looking film. Yeah. But Bradford Young will definitely be nominated at some point he's one of our most right, exciting dps point, yes. and it could happen for selma which he's still oh, working right. on and which has Ooh. best picture heat um yeah. but yeah he, he's beautiful we should all dream to be shot by bradford young someday <laughs> um uh but you know the interesting ones in cinematography are 
um, uh, Emmanuel Lubezki for Birdman because mm-hmm. it's shot yeah. in these simulated long takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he could Nightcrawler looked amazing. Back to back. It did. Bob Ellswit. It did. Um, and then Roger Deakins, uh, of course. you know, the Susan Lucci of the Oscars, he's been nominated uh, <laughs> a, a zillion times, shot most of the Coen Brothers films and has never won, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Unbroken looks gorgeous. So this could be the year, but I say that about its work every year. Anything on original score? I'm a big score guy. Me too. What are my favorite scores of the year? Well, you know, actually, uh, we just saw this film, The Most Violent Year, last night, and Alex Ebert, uh, who uh, who did All Is Lost and won the Golden that Globe. That was a great score. You, yeah. you may remember his man bun. Um, <laughs> that was a, it was a really beautiful score. I would love if he could get in again. I'd love hmm. to listen to that score again. I liked Gone Girl's score. Uh, do you think yeah. that has a yep. chance? I think very Atticus, much so. They've yeah. won yeah, in that absolutely. category before, so. Um, I, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta catch up on my movies, and I think we gotta, we gotta wrap it up, but let's, we wanted to do, Real One quick, thing. T- yeah. t- t- uh, real quick, just we'll do thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, Michael okay. Fassbender is Steve Jobs. Yay or nay? I'm into that idea. I'm totally into that. I like it. Um, I, I totally like it. If if Bale dropped out, I loved Bale as as Jobs, but th- what? what I'm, I'm going to start a rumor right now, real quickly. Do it. I heard Steve Jobs' widow was calling actors saying, "Don't take this role." And really? That, is, really? that played a part in maybe why Christian Bale passed. Interesting. I, I have not confirmed that. Just no, so we're clear. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and I would have tried to confirm it and write that story if uh, Fassbender had not been cast yet. You know, if it was yeah. still an open role. Well, is he cast? Is he? Is it? No, I mean, he's not know, cast. no, he's in talks. He's Even in if talks. he did get cast, I'd give it two weeks just to make sure it's stuck. Yeah, sure, know, sure. Because we've had a lot of rumored names. But... And then uh, Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight. Guys, are we happy? Channing Tatum. I'm happy. All that I, good I, I stuff. Like, yeah, Demi like, Bashir. Yeah, I like Channing Tatum, and I'm 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 so interested to see him go into a Tarantino. Movie. I don't think he's going to have a big role. But. Uh, I can't get excited <laughs> about this yeah. movie. I, I it think feels his... so been there, done that for Tarantino. But I, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Well, I but think just because reading we about a... all of it, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm I, kind you know. of with you, and he's my favorite. By the way, I'm I did not, not excited. Well, see, I like the the idea that we're, we're going to see Channing Tatum go to Hail Caesar with the with the Coen Brothers. Sure. Yep. And that that's an interesting also kind with Channing of move. Tatum. Yep, and and so with Channing Tatum doing that, and now Hateful Eight, I think it's this guy's getting ready. This to Sky's the up. limit. Well, so yeah. those are smaller roles, though. Sure. He's so amazing in Foxcatcher. I he really is. wish talk, speaking about best best actor Heat, that movie uh, could get a lot of Oscar nominations, and I fear that he'll be left out of best actor, even though for my money, he hits the best performance in the movie. There you go. Nope. <laughs> all right, it's Ruffalo. It's, r- it's Ruffalo. Well, listen, they're all three great performances. They're, they're all amazing. But it's, it's an like embarrassment of riches. Steve Carell and Tatum are getting all the notice. Like Ruffalo's getting lost in the Ruffalo, shuffle because no, it's Ruffalo's not a trans- get nominated. It's not okay. a transformative performance no. the way the other two are. Ruffalo will get nominated for he's Best so Supporting wonderful. Actor. He's I, uh, the I, easiest one to relate to for I the audience. Ruffalo. He's really good. He'll and you know it. what? You know what I'll say about Ruffalo? I finally caught Begin again. He was awesome in that movie. I wish he could be nominated for that. I thought that was one of the best performances I've seen from him. <laughs> nominate years. everything. Let's just nominate everything. Like ten nominees. We could talk every about this category. stuff all day. We should get going though. Yes, we could, and we are going to leave you guys. We want to thank Kyle Buchanan from Vulture.com for coming on. Where the where can the kids find you out there in Schmelville? They can find me at Vulture.com or I guess on Twitter yeah. if you're into that at Kyle Buchanan. Yeah, there you go, Schmelville. Give him a nice warm welcome. We have a great fan oh. base. Oh. Yeah. A welcome, a goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You you're going to be now a part I of. Felt- 
Kyle I felt stupid today. Kyle, I thought Kyle just, you sounded what? really smart. Oh, you okay. were really smart. <laughs> I, was I, like, was, I don't know half this stuff. I don't either. Just I just was, voice. I was just quiet and just went, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like listening like a fan. I was like, forgot, up. you're co-hosting the show right now. I know. It was, it was amazing. That, that awards talk, I mean, you know your stuff, man. And, yeah, and right. that's, that's what I love. And I, and I, yeah. and I guarantee this best picture landscape actors supporting actresses actresses it's it's going to be changing every day as more movies come out i don't know if yes, there's anything else coming out so uh, that's st- gonna, stay tuned to vulture for uh, all your award season yeah. coverage Absolutely. and um, and stay tuned uh, to the rap.com Right, Jeff? I may have some interesting stuff one day. Soon. I think you will. And, and where can they find you, as always? Uh, at the Insnider on Twitter. That's right. And guys, you can find me at Riley Around on Twitter and at schmoesno.com. And as always, guys, please go to uh, iTunes and subscribe, rate, comment, share with your friends, tell your mother, tell your father, tell your dog, because dogs are smart. So thank you again for uh, tuning in to Meet the Movie Press. It's been a great the episode. The Force Awakens. The Force has awoken. You just met the Movie Press. Have a good weekend. See you next week. From producers Christian Harloff, Mark Ellis, and the entire Schmoes No Network crew, we would like to thank you for listening to Meet the Movie Press. Special thanks to Kevin Undergaro and Maria Menounos, the author of Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness in stores now. To watch or listen to other Schmoes No Network episodes, get movie news, or join the conversation, be sure to visit schmoesno.com. I'm the Pit Boss, and this has been a presentation of Schmoes No.